guys to the Recovering Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fredrickson. I'm excited to share this episode here and release a little bit more experience, strength, and hope. But first, make sure you subscribe. You can do that directly through your podcast app on your iPhone. Just type in recoveringreality.com. If you do not have an iPhone, you can just follow the link straight to the Anchor website on my podcast and subscribe. If you want some more free, very practical, useful, and powerful recovery tools, you can go to our website, recoveringreality.com. Sign up for the email list. You'll get the podcast updates, the blogs, and of course, a bunch of free videos. And if any of you are looking for a little bit more help to walk out the most powerful recovery possible, I encourage you to contact us about recovery coaching. We are seeing wonderful things with all of our clients, just transformation in their lives. Now, I'm excited about this episode. Um, Just to set the stage for it a little bit, I would encourage you to listen to my last podcast that I just released, which sets the stage, tells the story about a very life-changing and eye-opening experience I had over the last three days. And I jump into speaking right after I share one of my videos called Surrendering to Victory. So if you want to jump, you can go to my YouTube channel and listen. It's called Surrendering to Victory. I tell a little story and share a couple things. Then I jumped right into my message. This is at a Celebrate Recovery meeting in War, West Virginia, the city that has the worst drug problems, in the county that has the worst drug problems, McDowell County, in the state that has the worst drug problems, West Virginia. We hope you enjoy this as we share a little bit more experience, strength, and hope. Thanks, guys. How many of you can relate to something you saw in the video? I think I'm in the right place. Um, You know, we've spent a couple of days here now. already chatted with a lot of you and got to see the city and see what it's really like here as much as you can in two days. Um, And I'm not going to stand here pretending I know exactly what you've been through and what it's like living here because I don't. But I do know what addiction's like. I know that completely. I do know the hell of living in addiction. I'm very, very familiar with that. And so I want to just share a little bit about what does it look like, practically speaking, to step out of the place of prison, of addiction, and into the place of freedom, of recovery, right? Because God's not a respecter of persons, but God will do it for anybody. I'll do it for anybody that's willing. Period. End of sentence. And that confused me for a long time. You know, I was raised in a very religious home. There was no drugs or alcohol in my home. There was no drugs or alcohol in my aunts, uncles, cousins. It it wasn't around anywhere. Period. That's my story. That's just the way it was. My family was very religious. And it was shoved down my throat. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I uh, rebelled in the wrong way. It was about the age of 13, 14. 
I decided I had it all figured out. I can do it my way. I'm all good. Leave me alone. I'm okay. Um, and the problems, the chaos, the darkness started immediately. Immediately it was uh, arrests and fights and jail and all, all, all that kind of stuff. It didn't, you know, addiction is progressive regardless of how bad or if you just start recreationally or however you want to say it, it always gets worse. Always. And <clears throat> it started bad for me and it just got worse. By the age of about, I, I think it was 15 or 16, somewhere in that window, I started, started on the pills. Started by smoking weed to fit in with the cool kids. It's safe to say I had a skewed perception of what cool was. Drinking was shortly thereafter. And the pills was 15, 16, right in that little window. Now, I was living in Utah at the time. And at that time, Utah was right at the top of the list for the pill problem. Um, right from the start, the age of 13, 14, 15, that little window, um, my friends started dying. I watched, still to this day, I think it was some months back, an ex-girlfriend of mine um, overdosed, probably a suicide was what it was. So still to this day, people that I knew was acquaintances with or close with, um, I stopped counting around 30. That's just a safe number. So I'm no stranger to all of that. And it was about 16, the pills, and it was, uh, you know, is there anybody in here that you, you really liked it or you like it? Nobody that is stuck in addiction likes it. They do it because it numbs the pain. I did it because it numbed the pain. I did it because it, it was an escape from reality. I did it because it was, at first, maybe it was the cool thing to do at first, maybe, yeah. But quickly thereafter, it's not so cool going to jail all the time. Jail is not cool. It's really boring and cold, and the food is terrible. And it's really uncomfortable mats you sleep on. <laughs> right? Handcuffs are not cool. Rehabs are not cool. Relationships being destroyed and families, but none of that is cool. It may have, I may have believed that lie, and that's what started my addiction, but none of it is cool. Is there anyone here that would disagree with that? <laughs> it's, not, it's not at all. And I've, I've, I've now talked with thousands of people trying to get clean and sober or in early recovery or somewhere along those lines, and I can remember a couple people that just said, yeah, I know it sucks, but I just want to get high. Leave me alone. Nobody, nobody likes it, but they're stuck in it because it is a very real hell. It's hard to get out of. 18, tried to commit suicide. My sister found me. Really, it was the Lord. 21, my first rehab. It was a 9 to 12 month rehab program. I think I split at about five months. I just took off. Couldn't handle it anymore. I was high that night, totaled my car in a blackout. Some I don't remember, weeks later, uh, more hospital visits, more friends dying. The age of 26, that, that story right there. That happened at 26. I, that happened on a Friday night after I prayed that very honest prayer. I just think sometimes God would rather... I think sometimes, I, I know I, this was what it was for me. I would... I had this idea in my mind, like, I never, I never doubted there was a God. I had some experiences when I was young, I knew for a fact, no one had to convince me of that, 
the stuff that happened was way too real. I wasn't thinking, is there a God? Is there not? I knew for a fact there was, that God was real from a young age because some things I had experienced. If you would have asked me to define God in like a theological way or something, I couldn't have done that. But I knew there's something bigger than me out there. I knew that at least. But I, I had this perspective, and from talking to a lot of people, I think I'm not the only one that's had this perspective. We get this perspective, I think, like, okay, there's God. I'm over here. God can change my life, but I can't go over to God because he's really judgmental and angry. So first, what I'm going to do, when I clean my own life up, then I'll go talk to God. Can anyone relate to that? Once I've fixed, let me fix myself and then I'll go be with God. Here's the thing. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. You need, I needed to come to God and he cleaned me up. It's grace. Well, yeah, but I'm doing all these things wrong. Well, if we're talking about Jesus here, the only people he hung out with were the people doing things wrong. Not because he went to hang out with them because he was doing what was wrong or not because he went to hang out with them because he was okay with what they were doing and said, it's okay, just keep doing everything wrong. He came into relationship with the people that were doing things wrong to love them and enter into relationship and transform their life. Right? I can't clean myself up. I can't fix myself over here. I don't even know how to enter into a relationship with God and let him fix me. I had no idea. I had no idea. I just knew... I've been trying this for a while and I can't do it. <laughs> that much I knew for a fact. I didn't know exactly how it would all work out. I just knew I couldn't do it. And I had seen, like I mentioned in the video briefly, I had seen, I had a friend who, uh, he ended up in drug court. He was breaking into houses to steal oxys. I had done it with him. And now he got, he got arrested and his it was do drug court or go to prison. So he went to drug court and fumbled around in there for a bit too, spent some weekends in jail as you do when you piss dirty or sorry, take a urine test. <laughs> but he got clean and sober. He did, about two years before I did. He's still clean and sober to this day. Just talked to him like a month ago for about an hour. Um, and he was part owner in a treatment center for a while and works with a lot of people in it. Still doing awesome stuff. But he got clean and sober, and if I'm going to be honest, initially I was like, what an idiot. All this fun he's missing out on. Oh, he's over there doing this God thing, you know, whatever. But in the back of my mind, I, was, I knew, I'm like, I'm so miserable. I wish I could do what he's doing. I wish I could do that. My life sucks. That was going on in the back of my mind. Maybe not what was coming out of my mouth, but that's what was going on in the back of my mind. But I saw that example, and... In this, this video here, this, this moment, my external circumstances had been better. I had been chained to a hospital bed because um, I was under arrest but needed to be in the hospital. I had overdosed. I had uh, woken up in jail not knowing how I got there. I had it, fill in the blanks, okay? All these things. My external circumstances had been worse than they were in that story right there. But internally, it had never been worse. I was so miserable. I was so depressed. I was so tired and sick and oh, I was so done with it. I was so done. Knowing, okay, well, there's God's out there and I've seen him do it in other people's lives and if he can do it for them, he might, he could probably do it for me. 
I would also, I, I saw my, my friend who I'm referring to get clean and sober, and I would sit there and I would have these conversations with myself. I'd say, okay, now wait a minute. Let's just be logical for a second. If that guy can do it, I know him. I've, I spent a lot of time with him. I know exactly what he was like. If he can do it, I'm, I'm, I might be able to do this. This might be possible because he was bad. <laughs> he was real bad. That happened on Friday night. I went to see, as many of you probably know, you don't see the judge on the weekends. So I went to see the judge Monday morning. And the judge tells me this. The judge says, okay, you have two options. One, we, you have all these new charges and deal with all the old ones. Um, and we let you go right now. You immediately need to check into probation. You guys know the drill, some of you, I'm sure. Or he said, or, well, we can wipe your slate clean and send you to jail for two weeks. That's exactly what I said. Exactly what, what is your name again? Tiffany, that's what I was gonna say. It's exactly what Tiffany just said. I said, send me to jail. I think I thought about it for about. Go to jail for two weeks. Go to jail for two weeks and wipe my slate clean. I went to jail. I got out a couple days early, even something like that. Uh, went to treat. I was in treatment up in near Seattle, Washington. Uh, about five days later, 30-day treatment center. Now, here's the thing. That's just called grace. That's me getting unearned favor. That is God. I, I didn't earn that. I'm not any more special than anybody in this room. Okay. That's God just saying, this is what I believe. I believe God, well, I know for a fact, God heard my prayer of surrender. I give up. It wasn't the eloquence. It wasn't all the fancy religious words. I didn't even say in Jesus name. I just prayed and I was honest. He knew I was honest. And immediately he says, oh, I can work with that. And grace flooded my life. Now, here's the part where I've, when I tell this story that I've heard some people get tripped up on, come up and talk to me afterwards in that, is they say, well, yeah, but it didn't work out like that for me. Well, yeah, but that might be cool for you, but you don't understand my situation. Maybe I don't, but you don't know what I've been through either. Now, I'm not too for, I'm really, I think the stories from the past need to be told so people know how bad it was, but I don't, I'm not focused on that. I'm not focused on that. And here's the thing. That's how it worked out in my life. But the exact same God with the exact same grace wants to do the exact same thing in your life. Yeah, it's going to look different. You have different circumstances, different situations, and you've been through different things. I understand that. But the exact same God that came into my life from a simple prayer of surrender, immediately flooded my life with grace and changed things, will do the same thing inside of people's circumstances for anybody. Anybody. Period. My life changed very fast. Uh, I, got, I got out of rehab and I moved to San Diego. I was living in Utah, like I said, I moved to San Diego. I knew one person. Uh, well, I guess a couple people, and I had an aunt and uncle who I didn't really know that well anyways. But I knew a lady who worked at the last treatment center I went to, and a couple of guys that worked there, but I never even saw them down there. And then my aunt and uncle, and that was it. That was it. And I just said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender my... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try 
this 12-step thing and this recovery. I'm going to give it a 100% honest attempt. And then if it doesn't work out, I know nothing's going to work out. I can just go out in a blaze of glory, whatever. And I said to myself, okay, uh, my friend who I've referred to got um, 12-step program work really, really good for him. So I said, I'm going to do that. And I, um, I could spend hours here telling you how all of a sudden a door just opened up for me to live 10 minutes from the beach for free for two months. And, and then all of a sudden I got a job. And then all of a sudden this. And it's just grace. That's all it is. And he'll do the same for anybody. <clears throat> but I started doing the, the 12 steps. I, I surrounded myself with people in recovery because it's, it's really important early on to do that. So community is really important. It's important to be around people that, that understand. And it's important to be around people that are doing the same thing because we're not, we're not built to do it on our own. We're not supposed to do it on our own. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens, right? supposed to help each other my my story of what I went through um, I have the privilege of helping other people with that now and sharing what I've been through listening to what they've been through it eases the load immediately I just threw myself into literally threw myself into this God thing not really knowing what I was doing if you want me to be completely honest but I was a hundred percent honest and heartfelt I'm going to seek God. The way I sought the drugs and drinking and chaos, I'm going to seek God. Then we'll see what happens. I started doing the 12 steps. I was like, I'm, 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 I'm good on that religion stuff. But I'm going to do the 12 steps, and I'm going to try this Jesus guy. I'm going to see, I'm going to see what Jesus is really, really like, and I'm going to 100%, I'm going to 100% honestly seek after who who Jesus is not really having an understanding of what that is it, knowing enough like he's the son of God he paid for it well I knew the Easter Jesus right but not really having been in a deep relationship with him and I this is <clears throat> this is what the first about year of my recovery looked like okay um it was a few days. Oh, so, I, so I went to San Diego even, and four months into being there, I thought it would be a good idea to eat a handful of Vicodin. Wasn't a good idea. I ended up drinking for two weeks straight after that. Um, and then I ended up in a rat hole, sober living home in Orange County, like a little old hotel turned sober living place. It was super cheap, and nobody was even sober there. But God continued to meet me. And I picked right back up and I was honest. I just was like, gosh, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I can do this. And so it's that, from that space there was about, <clears throat> I think it was, so April 9th, a little over a month ago, I was 10 years clean and sober. April 9th of last month. So that space there, I, I, get, I move in with some friends there in, in recovery, some older, an older couple, and I just threw myself into it. <clears throat> And it was honestly, I was probably two weeks into recovery and I went and I sat in this guy's trailer up in Orange County in his driveway and I did steps one through eight in five hours. I sat down. Now you can't be super thorough. I understand that, but I was very honest. I got it all out. I got it all out. And I went back and I did more work, but it set me on a course. And my first year of recovery looked about like this, probably five, six days a week. I woke up at like five, 5.30 a.m. I would pray. I would read my AA big book and I would read the Bible. I would go to a 7 a.m. meeting, and then most mornings I also went to an 8.30 meeting around the corner. 
probably five, six days a week for about a year. That was my routine. Days where I could, I would go to as many as four or five meetings. I understand this is a different location. You can, I, I understand you can't do that here. There's not meetings like that. But there are people that you can connect with that are in recovery. You can do that. You can do that. I became more and more passionate for Jesus. And I, <clears throat> I want to I just share a couple of things that I think you guys can really that I'm hoping some of you can really grab a hold of when it comes to connecting with God in a personal relationship. Okay? I love church. I'm, I'm part of it. We're having church right now. That's what this is. If we're talking about the biblical context. <laughs> I, love church. I love Sunday morning. I'm part of a church. I, I teach at a church. I, I, I'm, I love it. Okay? But what does Jesus look like Monday through Saturday? What, is that, what does that look like? And one of the things that changed my life, I would sit in my little, my little room and some friends of mine had turned me on to worship music. Like some of the stuff we listened to tonight, Hillsong, uh, Bethel worship, stuff like that. I didn't really have any idea what, I just, I just was, I had to know. I had to just know this Jesus guy. And I had to be honest in this pursuit and say, who are you, God? Who are you really? And what does it look like for me to know you and us to be in this relationship? And one of the things I'd do, I'd sit in my room. This, is, this part is, is practical, okay? <clears throat> I would sit in my room for, for hours sometimes, and I would put worship on my, my computer, and I would sit there, and I would just listen to worship for like two hours straight, all by myself, focus. And this peace would fill the room. It would just fill the room. It was so peaceful. And I, I had experienced chaos, torment, pain, sickness. You know, I, I, my, my, my routine for a while in addiction was like wake up and say, okay, these are my options. Kill myself, sleep for a few days, or just do what I got to do to go find some, something to feel different. Something. Anybody relate to that? That was the reality of my life. So I knew what the anxiety and the depression and the shame and the guilt and the torment, I knew that personal culture. The one that was foreign to me was this peace. The Bible talks about it being a peace that surpasses my understanding. It's past my ability to understand, but it's, it's, it's the presence of God, Holy Spirit. I was sitting in my room and worship and the peace would fill the room. I could not have given you a clear theological explanation as to what was happening. I really didn't know what was happening. I just knew, this is wonderful. This is, this is beautiful. I would just sit in there sometimes and just check out in the right way. Because I'd checked out in the wrong way for years. Check out in the right way. It's like, oh my gosh, this, what is this in this room? This is amazing. Always, my intention, I got to know you, God. I need to know who you are. I want to hear your voice. I want to feel your presence. I got to, you need to be realer to me than anything because if you're not, my alternative is death. That might not be the case for everybody. They may just live miserably for the rest of their life, not living in peace. My alternative with it being addiction was death. That was my alternative. So I was pursuing Jesus as if my life depended on it because it does. 
I could go down a really long list of the amazing things that began to happen, but within a really short amount, I, I used to like, I would just chase homeless people down on the street, talk to them, take them to lunch, get, what can I, can I get you some food, take them to the hospital if they needed to. I began to um, <clears throat> get invites to speak places. I began to be helping people. I began to go on missions. I became possessed for the right reasons. Because I knew what that sort of possessed looked like. But what does it look like over here? What does it look like to live with God, to live in recovery, a healthy life, transformed, and helping the people around you, transformation spilling out of your life into the people around you? It became really real in my, fa- in my life in a, in a fast way. Now, one of the things that I tell, because now, now I, I have the, the woman of my dreams. I'm not exaggerating that. We've been married for almost four years. I have a son that's going to be three in July, a son that's one and a half as well. Um, I have my own business where I do recovery coaching and I have the privilege of working with people literally all around the world to help them get clean and sober. And I have the privilege of coming and doing stuff like this regularly. That's the reality of my life now. That's somebody who couldn't wake up before noon and waking up at noon needing to get high or drunk to get out of bed. That radical transformation is the result of this, saying yes to Jesus. It's easy to... I'm going to just say it real straight. Go to church and pray the sinner's prayer. How many of us have done that? How many of us have done it more than once? <laughs> you only need to do it once. <laughs> the evidence of that being honest is the reality of Jesus' promises being found in my life. That's the evidence as if it was heartfelt and real. Is the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Peace, patience, peace, responsibility, transformation of life. Is that happening in my life? That's the evidence of that being honest. Is that right there, right? <clears throat> in this sort of city right here, um, again, you guys live here. Was you born and raised? Um, I do not live here. I was not born and raised here, but have been here for two days and been very, very observant and done a lot of listening and understanding. Uh, I'm sure you understand it much better than me, but I'm aware of what's going on here. <laughs> not hidden at all what does it look like for you guys inside of this context to step into the same transformation that happened in my life because it's available for you what does it look like for a company of people to refuse to say yes to that anymore and the only yes that's left in me is to say yes to Jesus Rick was saying something last night. He was saying something to the effect of so much of this is happening because it's just acceptable here. It's just the way it is. We just accept it. It's just the way it is. What, what does it look like for a group of people to say, no, no, it's not acceptable. No, it's not. And begin to be change agents. Begin to be someone who begin to be someone that can seek out God 
as much as what everyone on these streets is seeking. And let your life speak so loud that the people around you see it and think about it all day long. Take Tina, for instance. I've had the privilege of talking to her a lot. I know at least enough of her story and the transformation that took place. And I sat out here the first night we got here and I told her, I said, <clears throat> I said, listen, <clears throat> you can go up and talk to people right now early in recovery and they're, they may say to you, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, like, okay, you're an idiot, like what, da, 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 da. But I told her this, I said, they're watching. They're listening. They may pretend they're not. <clears throat> they may go out of their way to make it look like they're not. They may insult you multiple times to make you think they're not, but they're watching because they hate the reality they're living in. They hate it. Regardless of what they want to say or how they're acting or what they're doing, they hate it. I promise you. And what if they just need someone to model it in front of them? What if they just don't know, they don't know what it looks like? I didn't know what it looks like. I had to surround myself with people that did know what it looked like. I didn't know what connecting with God looked like. So I just devoured the Bible and praying, not even know if I was doing it the right way, just knowing, I know you're there, God, like, let's figure this out. You can do, you're doing this. Let's, let's develop this relationship. And slowly but surely, as the Bible calls it, leaven being worked into a batch of dough. As the, the Bible refers to it like salt being sprinkled. And the context that Jesus uses is actually the salt is flavor. We add flavor to the scene. Did you know, for some of you that are familiar with the Bible or not, how many of you have at least heard the biblical reference of we are the salt of the earth, right? Here's something interesting that I found out later on. In Jesus' time, salt had much different, way more uses than what we think of it now. But you can look this up. Did you know that salt has 14,000 medical and industrial uses he's saying your presence of living with god your relationship with god and living in that way in a real tangible way where people are witnessing he it gives him a space to work through your life in so many different ways it's hard to even fathom it healing in other people's lives Salt can even be used as a power conductor. Salt can host electricity. So many different things that Jesus flows through our lives and begins to touch the people around us and do more than we can ask or think or imagine just by the reality of saying yes to him and letting my life be an example. I believe that I believe that this city right here truthfully should brace itself right now for what God has been preparing for this city. I'm not a I'm not into hype. I'm not going to stand on the chair and scream and yell and expect you to roll around the ground. And, but I am being very real when I say this right now that I think this city should brace itself for what God wants to do in this city and has already been doing and is beginning. Rick and Mary coming here and being here for five years is a 
first fruits, a token of that, so to speak. What would this city be like in the last five years without them here? Could you even imagine? I think there's a lot of people that could say that same thing. They'd probably be dead. Mm -hmm. Jesus turned the whole world upside down with 12. This city has what? Four or five hundred, something like that? Five, six hundred, something? What is it? Seven, eight hundred? Seven? Somewhere around there. It keeps getting less. What if, what if the amount of people right here in this room can create more of a change than can be imagined? Simply by letting your lives do the talking. Coming together, supporting each other. It's vital in early recovery. You've got to have community. You've got to learn how to call someone when you're, when you're wanting to go do what you know you shouldn't do. You have to learn how to pick up the phone. You have to learn how to do what it is you don't want to do. You have to learn how to do the right thing regardless of how you feel in early recovery. It gets easier. I promise you it gets easier. But I'm no stranger to the fact that early on it, is, it can be difficult. Yes, it can. But it gets much easier. And it's always easier with the comforter. Holy Spirit. There to help me and guide me and strengthen me in the midst of it. Okay? How many of you guys are, can, can relate to a lot of what I'm talking about? Similarities in your own personal story, yeah? How many of you guys can draw encouragement from what it is that I'm talking about as well, yes? So, so let's do this, okay? I want to pray. I want to pray for you guys. Um, and also, um, I don't mind sticking around and praying for any, anyone individually that wants prayer too, okay? I'll pray. I'll stick around and pray for anybody. Um, prayer works. Period. It works. It's beneficial to learn how to be more effective with our prayers. <laughs> but prayer works. All right? So I'm going to pray. Before I do that, I, I wanted to uh, put Tiffany on the spot in a good way, okay? You don't have to do it. I just felt like God wanted me to encourage you with something. That's all, okay? I feel like... Um, well, I, I just... I, I know this God... Uh, is aware of the pain, is aware of what you've been through, and knows how hard you've had to fight just to maintain. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that in this, uh, this next season here, he's not asking you to take on the world. He just wants to know if he'll say yes. And this next season here, I feel like that you're going you're gonna to have support and encouragement that you have never experienced before. Mm -hmm. And 
I felt like I was supposed to tell you this too that you will draw the most strength by seeking out the strength of others. I just feel like right now is a, a fork in the road for you. More of what you've already been experiencing and much worse. Or a life of freedom, a life of peace, and a life of healthy relationships that you have not experienced yet. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, just trust me, it's better than you think. Family relationships, as, as broken as they seem right now, um, I just feel like God's saying, just let, let me work. Trust me, let me work with your siblings. Mm -hmm. I think you guys are awesome. I really do mean that. Um, As bad as I was, I don't think I would have made it out of being born and raised here. I was bad. We don't have any choice of how that, all that plays out. We do have a choice of how we respond to what life throws at us. And right now can be a moment that, uh, where a decision is made and much different results can come about from here on out. I'm going to pray for you guys, okay? And then like I said, I don't mind sticking around at all and praying with anyone.